I am still working on making myself higher on the hierarchy of my life. And I need to work on me. There's things that I want to do, dreams that I need to, you know, things that I want to get done, but I'm easily sidetracked when it comes to taking care of the kids and doing stuff for them. And I need to work on getting back to what I want to do. Welcome to Inspired by Impact, my friend. I'm your host, Coach Carl, and together we are going to completely redefine and revolutionize health and fitness as we transform your body and your life from the inside out. And how are we going to do that? By answering four simple yet powerful questions that will move you from inspiration to implementation so that you can ignite the impact you wish to see in your world. Now let's get to it. Hello there, my friend, and welcome to episode number 20 of Inspired by Impact. If it's your first time here, welcome. If you are coming back, welcome back. But today's episode is inspired by an extremely insightful dude who is host of the Men Are the Prize podcast, my man Harvey over at Men of Zealous Nature on IG. Now, this episode is definitely for you if you're a parent and you want to know the small things that you can do will have that will have a big impact on your children. It's also for you if you're looking to develop more courage and confidence so you can embrace vulnerability and express your true authentic self to your world. It's also for you if you want to improve communication with your partner because knowing this one simple technique will completely change your communication game. And lastly, this episode is for you if you have a hard time putting yourself first and you want one simple strategy to start caring for yourself as much as you do everybody else. All right, now Sherry Fink said that being your authentic self is the ultimate secret to happiness in life. So if you want to discover who your authentic self is and how to start being that person, here are two simple steps I'm going to challenge you to do ASAP. Step number one is to connect with my man Harvey over on IG at Men of Zealous Nature and on his amazing podcast, Men Are the Prize, on all podcast platforms. And the second step, super simple, hit me up on IG at Ignite the Impact and let's work together to ignite the impact you wish to see in your world. Now let's dive in. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Inspired by Impact. I, of course, I am, of course, am your, let me try this again. I am, of course, your host, Coach Carl. And today we've got a guest that, Again, it just it just seems like every single time I have somebody on this podcast, it completely personifies the quote that led to this podcast from my buddy DP. And he said in 2017, when we were having coffee, good people are hard to find, but they shouldn't be because they're everywhere. And not only are they everywhere, they are right fucking here. And today I have a guest. His name is Harvey. And he is the host of the Men Are the Prize podcast. And there are so many beautiful aspects to that podcast that Harvey brings into it. Um, We're going to talk a lot about him today because I had the good fortune of being on a guest on his podcast last week. And the format of the podcast, the questions he asks, the depth of the questions gets us going into a very non-surface level conversation, which I think is a huge issue we have in society that we generally think about or when we're having conversations with people, oh, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? It's all this surface level stuff. But inside of his podcast, we get vulnerable. Men specifically learn how to share their emotions in a very, very safe place. So that's what's going to happen today. But Harvey, before you introduce yourself, what I always do is I start off with a quote because just like you, I am a huge quotes guy and Harvey always starts off his episodes with quotes as well that inspire him. But I take one from the guest of this particular episode. So in this case, you, Harvey. So in episode number of 11 with your sh- of your show with Eddie, um, when I listened to that right at the beginning, you said something that like I was riding my bike while I was listening to it. I'm like, oh man, I, I got to stop and write this down. It was just, it was beautiful. And this is what you had to say. I'm just going to read it verbatim here. You said, he had, and you're speaking about Eddie. He hasn't reached the end of the journey, but he's on it and he knows it. And that's just as important knowing that you're getting better. So first of all, say hi. And then I really want to know why you think it is just as important to know you are getting better. Oh, so first of all, thank you for that introduction. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here with you, Carl. Um, 
if you don't feel like you're improving, what's your motivation to keep going? If I'm trying to do something and I'm trying, you know, it's you, you work out. If I go to the gym and I walk in there, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to use myself as an example. And we, we may talk about my health issues and stuff in the past. But I found out I was a diabetic. And I'm like, I got to work out. I got to be better. I'm a black male by my very nature, DNA. I'm predisposed to diabetes, to hypertension, all these things. I got to get in shape. And I walked into the gym and I could barely do one pull up. Barely. I kept going and I kept going. And the mission is like, I got to be able to do one by day this week, five by the month, 10 I should be able to do. Now, had I been going to the gym and there's so many reasons to not go, it's raining. My kid needs help. My wife is looking really cute today. All these reasons <laughs> to not go. But I go because you know what? I could do five pull-ups now. I can do the pull-up triangle. Now I can go from one to 10. I can work out. I need to know that there's progression in my actions. If I don't get better, honestly, it gets harder and harder to keep doing something. It's the whole, you keep doing the same thing and you get no result. I need to get better so that, you know, there's a reason for what I'm doing and so that I create new goals. First, I want to be able to do one, five, 10. Now I want to be able to do 50 burpees in how much time I need something to look forward to. So that's why you got to, got to get better or I'm stagnant and I don't want to be stagnant. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And he, here's why, like you started off just by saying right there, like, where's the motivation coming from if you're not getting better then? And a story on my end, it was very interesting in, so, you know, my story 2019, when I took the glamour shot and it was like, it didn't look any better. Um, I was actually just showing a client of mine, a new client, um, why it's important to take glamour shots. So glamour shots is just a photo of yourself in the, in the mirror, right? Like I got that term glamour shot from another client of mine. And so what I was doing is, so it was December 4th, 2019 was day zero, right? So then it was a week later. So December 11th took a picture, no change whatsoever, whatever. Like I expected that. Um, then we have a week later, no change a week later, no change a week later. So week four, there was a little visible change. And when I saw that visible change, it all of a sudden motivated the hell out of me to not only keep going, but to do better. But I'm like, oh my God, there's the change I was looking for. And then it was stagnant, stagnant, stagnant. Cause I take, I take those pictures every week. And all of a sudden about, about three or four more weeks later, boom, massive transformation. Like it was a big change again. And I was showing this to my clients because I'm getting her. She's all about the scale and you know me already. I am the first person to say, lose the scale because it's just, um, number one, it's so you get so emotionally attached to a number that's not really indicative of what's going on in your body. But getting back to what you said with regards to the reason why it's important to know you're getting better is because that provides motivation, but you'll never know if you're getting better. If you're not measuring things, like you said, going from the one pull up to the five, to the 10. And I love that you said 50 burpees and how much ever time, because <laughs> I am every single time I ask my clients and in my classes, guys, we're doing the warm up. That is my favorite exercise. What's my favorite exercise. Everybody knows it's burpees. Like I, I love burpees. So you just got mad respect for that. Um, so that's awesome. But yes, I totally agree that it's so important to know if you're actually getting better. Now, I want to jump into something that you talked about right before we started recording that I really wish we had started recording. So you were telling a story about your 18-year-old son um, mm -hmm. wanting to get into law enforcement and you got to set him up with the bank account and everything like that. And you mentioned how we have this preconceived notion in this idea that when you hit 18, you all of a sudden become an adult. And I'm mm -hmm. really curious what your thoughts are on that. And I want to, I want to, I want to dive into that because I'm turning 43 on Friday and I am still figuring this adult shit out. So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. go ahead and kind of like, tell a little bit about what you told me and then let's dive into the whole 18 year old adult line. It's so interesting when you think about it. You know, when we turn 18, you know, I can go to war. I can smoke. I mean, I can't drink. There's a lot of things that I can do now. This line, this invisible line, 
I was 17 on Thursday, Friday morning, I'm 18. I'm an adult. You know, there are parents who throw their kids out the home. Everybody expects them. You're ready to go. You're an adult. You're ready to live. And in actuality, we're not. I don't know about you. At 18, I had no fucking clue what I was doing. <laughs> None. And I think we forget that. That 17 to 18, it's it's monumental, but in this really fakes, it's not real. We mm-hmm. want it, we want it. But the important years are from 18 on, I think 18 to 21 to 25, stuff like that. And we assume that our kids are ready for the world. And they're not. They need, they need us. That's when they especially need us because now the world expects a lot from them. Mm-hmm. And now you have to be prepared for those expectations. So what we were saying is my son, job, he wants to go in law enforcement. He has to pay for the academy. This is us building him up. This is a responsibility. You want to go here? You have to pay for it. You're going to be the one to do it. So don't you go to the academy and you graduate and you actually have a job doing something you want. You can appreciate it because you did it. Every one of these steps was yours. You decided to get a job at Golden Corral, whatever it is, to get money to pay for this so that the dream that you have will be fulfilled and it's on you. And if you finish this off, you're not giving that up because you put the effort and the time into it. So that's just his, his, you know, the dream. But when we get more basic, I'm always reminded or occasionally reminded that as much as I'd like to look at my 18 year old son, who's taller than me, he's a little bit wider. He's got a little bit, there's a little bit more heft in the shoulders. He kind of feel he's feeling himself every once in a while. <laughs> but 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 when it but when it's stuff like this, stuff that we take for granted, it was a little daunting. I got to go to the bank and I got to get this and I got to do these things, stuff that we take that's so simple, but he still needed some guidance. So I'm like, all right, let's go to the bank. We go, we get this taken care of, deposit his check. All this stuff that the world assumes he can do with ease, he still needs help, whether it's mom or in this case, dad, to walk him through these things so that he's more comfortable when he steps out into the world. And it feels weird. It doesn't feel weird. It it gives me a real sense of joy because I took him and I saw him and I saw myself. I did stuff and I'm like 18. I what the hell? How do you do this? You how do you write a check? Isn't it, <laughs> yeah. Have you really considered how simplistic we think things are? But it's yeah. only simply because we did it. He doesn't know. Kids don't know these things. We're so important. And it's we have to guide him. So I took him. He had a nice teller was there who understood what was going on. This is the first time he's getting his direct deposit. And she's like, his first job. I'm like, yeah. And it's like good. And we helped him. We talked about it. All right, you're paying for this. What are we doing? How are we splitting up this money? So quick conversation on finances, quick conversation on responsibility, quick communication. We just talked. So I'm not badgering him. I'm not attacking him. We're just talking about what we're going to do. He gets it and he runs with it. And if he needs help, he knows who to find. So that's what my that's how my day started, helping my kid. And it's already been a successful day. But I got three more kids who probably going to need help with something and I'll be there for them too. (laughs) That is incredible. And it leads in so well to what's been going on for me today. So this morning, I I have my journaling experience um, that I won't get into a ton of detail here. Actually, yeah, I guess I can because of the whole point of the podcast. So the journaling experience, what I do is I take the first thing I do is I find a quote that I love. And the quote will usually be specific towards a challenge that I'm facing. And I think about that in advance. So I find the quote. Okay. So the quote was actually from a podcast uh, that I did with a buddy of mine a couple of weeks ago that just went live today, actually. And then I run it through what's called the morning muscle up. And this is the thing that I'm turning into a journal. And this is what I am highly encouraging every single person that re or that listens to this or watches this does as well with something that you are going to say so they can actually take your wisdom and put it into action to transform their lives. So this morning, it all came down to this question I was asking myself, am I having the impact that I want to have in the world? Am I, because the whole point of inspired by impact is to ignite the impact you wish to see in your world. So I thought about it and I realized in some places I am, in some places I'm not, but what you just said there 
with regards to those little conversations that you had with your son and the conversations that you're probably going to have with your three other children today. Those are all impactful conversations. And it reminds me of one of the, one of the quotes that I am a hundred percent going to get tattooed on me from Jim Carrey. And he said, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. The effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. So even though it was a small conversation that you had with your son today about setting up the bank account to direct deposit and everything like that, finances, that is going to have a lifelong impact on him. So here's a question I have for you now. What are some of the small things that you feel are extremely impactful that you do as a parent? I like that question. I like that question. Parenting is such a complex job, career, um, undertaking. For me, one is being here. And I think we, I'm, I'm pretty sure we kind of talked about that when we spoke. Being, not being here, but being here, present, is the first thing. I am here with my kids. I'm not just in the house. I am here. So that's number one. So they know that somebody's here for them. So that's the first thing. Being present is one. Two, showing fallibility, showing them that I am not near, I'm not close to perfection at all. I am, I'm dad, but I make mistakes. I mess up like anybody else. There's a lot of things that we can do, you know, that we can hold. But there's a lot of things that we don't do. There's a lot of things that we do that are emotional, that things that you can show them. I can hand you money, but I can show you that when I mess up, I apologize and then I admit to it. Because that's for the second, it's great, but for much later, it's even better. That mm -hmm. child recognizes that the people who raise them know that they're infallible, that they make mistakes. And that builds confidence in them. I'm allowed to make mistakes. I'm allowed to feel bad about what I did, acknowledge it, and move on. Apologize when I mess up. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing I do. The third thing I do, and this is a, it's a small thing to others, but it's a big thing for me. I'm not the best chef there is. I feed my <laughs> kids, but I am no big chef. I get a kind of weird joy out of feeding my kids. Okay. And sometimes it's not the best food, but you know what it is? It's coming from me. It's coming from dad. It's, oh yeah, it's dinner time. Dad's going to make sure that I'm eat. It's being there, doing things for them and letting them know that they have a system, a pattern, a habit, dare I say. Um, dad's going to give me breakfast, lunch, dinner, all this stuff. We have a pattern. Life, when done properly, can be consistent. I'm, you know, I'm here and I'm consistent with my kids. So they know to be consistent in their lives and they can expect consistency with whomever they're going to deal with. I'm trying to set them up for when they leave the house. But while they're here, they've got good things and they can expect them out there and they can do it themselves. I really feel like at times, and then I listen to my kids talk. We'll sit there and talk about nothing, nothing. And those are the best conversations to have. Because we're communicating. I have a seven-year-old who asks me the most inane questions. Inane. Like, what are we talking about? But we're talking. And it's something that I kind of take with me into the podcast. The subject isn't always the best part. It's the talking that is. Absolutely. So, I just like, so those are a few of the things. I think things that I can kind of describe. But inevitably when you're doing it right you're doing a whole bunch of things that you can't even really think about subconsciously i walk by i slap my son on the head that's right i'm dad i'm here <laughs> i see my daughter i tap her you know tickle her or something little intimate things that parents have with their children moments love and that's the stuff that makes especially for our daughters stuff like that that makes comfortable emotional confident girls knowing that they're being treated well so it's stuff like that so when they get out into the world they know what they're going to get they they know what they're going to accept and they're going to know what they expect mm. my girls are confident happy and can be there be themselves 
I have some random girls. These girls are special, <laughs> but they're allowed to be. But they're allowed to be, and it's because me and mom let them be who they are, and that's a big thing for me too. That is so. There's a million and one gems there. Um, I'm gonna get back to something for sure, but I definitely want to emphasize what you just said, letting them be who they are. Because when I think about my parents and growing up, I was unbelievably and still am fortunate that they absolutely let me be who I was. And I know that that's something that's, I shouldn't say no. I think that's a little bit more rare than, than we know that parents um, don't try to shape their children too much. Like, don't get me wrong. Obviously you're, you're doing things that are going to shape your, your kids. And one thing that you said when you and I got together um, last week, I'm just going to jump into right now. Cause I want you to allude on or talk about this a little bit more. You said something along the lines of, if you want to know the truth about yourself, your friends will tell you, but your kids will show you. And I don't have kids, and that hit me hard, really hard. So what do you mean if you want to know the truth of who you are, your friends will tell you, but your kids will show you? What do you mean by that? We raise these kids. We bring them into the world, and they come in with no pre preconceived notions. They're not racist. They're not sexist. They're not xenophobes. They're none of that stuff. They are just untouched. And everything that they become has to do with their environment. And we are their environment. So when I bring you, bring these kids into these into the world and they grow up, and the first year they're at home because we don't want them to get them outside. We don't want them to get disease or anything. And we, we cuddle them. We keep them close. And, but when we take them out to the world, and it's little things. We take them to the restaurant. We go out. We go see friends. We do things. But while we're out there with them, these kids are sponges. They absorb everything that they see. So I'm out with my son and it's, it's little things, but it grows. It's little things where we go to a restaurant and you know, it's myself, my son and four women because it's my wife and three daughters. Yeah. So it's little things like I open the door and everybody goes through. And there were a few times that my son would just walk in. I had to kind of grab him, slide him to the side. Make sure mom and your sisters get in first. And mm -hmm. the second time I had to do it, make sure your mom and the girls get in first. And I keep doing it. And I keep doing it to the point where he doesn't think about it anymore. Wherever he goes, he opens the door and he lets the girls in. That's respect for women. Me and mom, and another thing, I had this whole pot, this whole discussion on a different podcast. And it might be kind of going off a little bit, but I still think it's important. Um, I was talking to another guy and he said he grew up and he never saw his parents fight, ever. Hmm. And I said, wow, that's nice. But here's a question for you. Do you know how to fight? Do you know how to have a, do you know how to have conflict with your girlfriend? How do you fight with her? Do you know? And he didn't. And I'm like, I, I appreciate the idea that you don't want your kids to see you fight, but they should know how. And the only way they're really gonna know how is if they see conflict conflict that is resolved without any negativity so i can argue with my wife but i'm not hitting her i'm not going crazy my son sees that and knows that inevitably he's going to be in a relationship and whoever he has conflict with it's going to be a discussion it's not going to be a drag out brawl and then when mm -hmm. it's over it's over my daughters will see that me and my wife we argue but it's not going to be a fight no hand is getting raised nobody's getting pushed we disagree we talk about it, we resolve it, and we move on. They need to see conflict. So I said that to him. I think it's great that they haven't seen it, but I think it's more important that they do. Because learning how to deal with conflict is so important. It's so important. And mm -hmm. that goes back to my kids. My son is going to see me in situations where somebody tries to bow up, tries to talk, and it'd be easy to pull up and throw a punch and keep it moving. It's mm -hmm. harder to be listened. We don't need to fight. We need to handle this situation and be able to walk off, to be able to control your emotions, to be able to handle a situation in the best way, because I've heard it. It's, it's, it's trite. Nobody wins in a fight. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want you doing that either. So my kids see how I act. And when it time comes for a situation where maybe I'm not there or maybe I hear about it, but somebody can say, you know what, Zarius, he was at the game or something. He, you know, he was playing basketball and this guy was jabbing him, elbowing him the whole game. And other kids would have gotten upset and would have pushed him. Mm -hmm. Cyrus didn't do that. He was getting annoyed. You could see it, but he would never let it get to him. Mm -hmm. He handled it. He was he dealt with it. That's a sign that I've shown him how to deal with conflict, how to deal with uncomfortable situations. Something happens where a lot of us would just respond. But if I've done right, I don't just respond. I step back, I look at the situation, and then I deal with it in a proper fashion. And if my kids can deal with conflict right, I did something right. If my kids are empathetic to other people, I did something right. That's how I can tell that I'm a good person, that I'm a good parent, because my kids are the mirror. They are me when I'm not with them. They are my agents. I send them out into the world. And that person, somebody sees him. Wow, that kid is so respectful. He doesn't know that girl. He opened the door and like five or six other girls came and he just stood there and he held the door open. He must have been raised right. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. I do my best to show them how to live, to show them how to treat people. And then I watch them treat people. And if they're doing it right, then I did something right. Cool. Yeah, that man, that makes me think, am I put am I making my parents proud? Are they a reflection of me? Um oh. or am I a reflection of them? So I think so. I think so for the most part. You are. The fact uh, that you're um, asking, the fact that yeah. you're even asking is a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned there that I absolutely love is this idea of exposing your kids to conflict. Um and one of the things that I knew I really wanted to dive into with you because it is one of the central themes behind your podcast is this idea of vulnerability because vulnerability, like that is something that needs to be expressed with your children so that they know how to resolve conflict. So say for example, like Jenny Lee and I, Jenny Lee, I've gotten so much more vulnerable because of her taking the lead in that department. She will always, not always, I'm going to say, if I had to take a guess, eight out of 10 times, she will start the difficult conversations um, where she's like, Carl, this is really hard for me to say, but, and then boom, we have a conversation around it. So vulnerability. Why do you think, and I, I want to actually, I'm going to put a little twist on this other than what I was originally going to go with, because I want to talk about men specifically. Um, why do you think it is critically important for men who are in a committed romantic relationship to improve their skill of being vulnerable? I've, it's such a roundabout way of getting there, but I'm going to do it. I've had conversations with people about what it's like for a man to be in love. And in my mind, Women can be in love, men can be in love, but when you get a man in love, it is a whole different animal because it's hard for us to get to a level. We're not, we're built to provide and do stuff like that, but that emotional part of being in love, it takes time. You know, we like sex, we like seeing our girl, whatever, but to be in love with the woman requires, or whomever you're going to be with, requires, I want to be with that person forever. I want that person to know everything about I want that person to the person I think of when something bad happens. I want them to be my, you know, the form I fill out if something bad has, happens to me. I want that person to be there for me, to be my everything. Because we dive in. Once you find if it's if it's your heterosexual, if it's that woman, that's it. You go all the way in and you want that person to be there for you. But it's harder for us to get there. And then when we get there, you can't you can't mess with a man who's in love. You know, and there's a whole song about that. His woman can do no wrong. You deep in when you get that woman. I want to just be able to tell her I want to kind of buck the system. 
I I don't want to have to come home and be just disappointed that I didn't get that promotion that I wanted. And I put the work in and they brought somebody else in from outside the company and took the spot that I was supposed to get. And now I feel like shit about that. And before I had this person I love, I would have to just come home and just sit there and sulk. And I don't know what to do and deal with it. And what do I do? I want that person to be like, man, I thought I had this in the bag. I, I thought I had it. And I'm just, I'm so disappointed. I feel so bad about myself right now. Moments like that are amazing for the man, but they're most, so good for the relationship. That mm -hmm. partner who, and that person has to be worth it, who can see you at, not even your worst, but maybe at your lowest mm -hmm. and doesn't judge you for it, who is like, come here, just talk to me. And you can just let it out. When you can be vulnerable in a relationship, when you can just say whatever the hell you want, there is nothing better because you are being yourself in every facet. I am, I feel good. I felt good yesterday, but today I feel like shit. And your partner's like, you know what? I know. I saw it the way you looked. I saw it the way you ate that burger. You usually eat it, but today you're a little bit different. And it's when somebody knows you, when somebody knows you, for them to really know you, it requires a level of vulnerability. You have to let everything go. Mm -hmm. And me and you, we talked about you and you and your relationship. And to just, I can just lay it all out there. And I don't have to play any games. I don't have to make anything up. I don't have to soften up my situation for you. I can just tell you. And for somebody to say, I know, I understand. This wasn't it. You didn't get it. Somebody to reassure you, to remind you who the hell you are. Because some, we all men, we all need it. We, I, we provide. That's what we do. I put food on the table, clothes on your back, a phone in your pocket, a game to play, a show to watch. But who provides for me? I need to take care of myself and to really take care of myself. It's so nice to have somebody who will remind you every once in a while, you are good. You didn't get this one, but that wasn't the one for you anyway. They don't even know what they missed. What they missed. You were the one. You should have got it. You're going to get something better and they're going to be laughing. Or you're going to be laughing and they're going to be crying. Being vulnerable means I can just let go and be me in a relationship. And when I'm me, I'm better for everybody else. Not just the partner family, my neighborhood, my society, everything. When I'm good here and I'm good home, I'm good outside the doors. I'm good everywhere. A good, vulnerable man is basically unstoppable because he has nothing to fear. You know me, I put it out there. No preconceived notions, no bullshit. This is me. This is what I'm going to do. What have you got? What can you throw at me that I can't handle? What can you throw at me that I can recognize that maybe I can't handle it, but I'll learn from it and I'll get better because I don't have time for bullshit. I am just here. And that comes from being able to be yourself. Okay. So that is the perfect transition to a question I am dying to ask you. Mm -hmm. I would assume and I'm, I don't even think this is going to be an assumption. This is just a fact. Like me, there are times where you struggle with your partner or with your kids to be vulnerable. There are moments where you hesitate to share the truth of who you are. There are moments you where you hesitate to share the feelings that are going on for you, whether that's because you're going to be embarrassed or you think you're going to upset your partner. That's one of my big ones is getting over the hurdle of not wanting to upset Jenny Lee. And for me, really quickly, the, the simple way that I'm getting over that by practicing it is understanding it's okay to hurt my partner's feelings. That is going to happen. It is going to happen. And I'm 100% confident that we will get over that very quickly, which is why we both have no... we. I'm not going to say we don't have a challenge in telling each other hard truths. We have a challenge, but it's a challenge that we completely face over and over again with a lot of courage and confidence. So 
in moments where you do not feel like you have the courage or the confidence to be vulnerable, what do you do so that you can be vulnerable and express express the truest version of yourself to the people that you love? What do you do? This happens and I it all I think it always will. It's always going to be a challenge. It's always a hurdle for me. And I handle it in two different ways because my relationship with my kids versus the relationship with my partner, two different things. It took me a while to get comfortable with telling my being vulnerable and just telling my kids whatever. Spending a lot of time with them, it's become easier. And now I don't feel like there's anything I won't tell them. I'll tell them whatever. And it's probably like, like, why are you telling us that? I don't need to hear this. But no, it's just kind of part of the process. So I'm comfortable. Time. Time is what happened. I'll give you an example. So one of my kids had a hard year in math. And she failed. She had to go to summer school. And she is, she's incredibly intelligent and was like really disappointed that she had to go to summer school. So we were talking and I'm like, one, you know, I'm not happy about it either because I feel like you could have done enough to pass to avoid this. But then I'm like, you know what? Let me tell you something. My father is an accountant. That man deals with numbers and math all the time. He's one of those annoying people where you just say, what's this time this? And he just does it. (laughs) He's one of those people. And it annoyed the hell out of me growing up. In the 10th grade, I had to, I failed math and I had to go to summer school. I was so embarrassed. Somebody who, it should have been in my DNA that I should have been able to pass. I should have killed it. But it even happened to me. And it's okay that this happened to you. We're not happy about the situation. I'm not thrilled that you're going to summer school. But what now? It's okay. I've done it too. You're not by yourself in this. You're in a family with somebody who had to do the same thing you went through. I did okay. So what now? Okay, so now we know you got to put a little more time into studying. You got to prepare. You got to do more. This will never happen again. But I remember what how, how I felt when it happened. And it's okay. Don't beat yourself up about this. Just don't let it ever happen again. That's mm-hmm. how I got to the point with my kids. It felt like that time, I'm like, I could just tell them. If I can remember what it was like being a kid, and I can relay that to them, then there's nothing that I can't tell them. And as long as I keep that in my mind with my kids, you were a kid once. You understand what they were going through. You remember when this happened. You remember how your parents dealt with you. Do not be that. As long as I remember what the goal is to empower my kid to take this minor setback and make it to something better. That's how it works with my kids. I reframe it in my mind. That's less about me. It's more about them. So when I make things that I do for my kids, there's nothing I won't do. So that's what I do in terms of communicating with my kids. When it comes to my wife, that's a harder one. Because I didn't, I got married at 34 and grew up in the first 10 years of my life. My parents were married in an incredibly abusive relationship. And I was there. I heard beatings. I heard my mom crying. I heard the cops come. I I had I heard parent, family members in the house knowing it's happening and doing nothing about it. I got every facet of it. So I grew up and they got divorced and I had to go to court and say I want to live with my dad while my mom is sitting there watching. So I've had all this stuff happen. I had no intention of getting married ever. It was not going to happen. I was black and white. No, maybe I'll have a kid and you know we'll live together and blah, 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 whatever. And then I walked into work one day and saw the her and I'm like, son of a bitch. That's my wife. And that really was it. I have to marry that girl. And as hardcore as I was about not doing it, I had no choice. <laughs> so this woman, we got together, we got married and she's tough. She's one of those people that says what's on her mind all the time. She's the epitome of, yeah, I'm going to hurt his feelings sometimes. And it's not nefarious. She doesn't do it on purpose. But she'll say stuff that can be hurtful. And at times I responded in kind. So it was a process 
of recognizing that when I say something, there's got to be purpose behind it. I'm an adult in an adult relationship. Why am I saying what I'm saying? And what's the what what am I expecting to get out of it? So when I'm talking and there's a feeling that I have, a lot of the times it's how I say it that's important. I'll just blurt out some shit to piss her off. But it's so something happened today and you said something that was kind of a trigger for me. And maybe if she doesn't know why it's a trigger, I tell her why. So when you said that and you inadvertently really hurt my feelings with something that you said, and it a lot of it has to do with the fact that you didn't know that I was harboring something, because more importantly, I didn't know. So if I take a moment to really, really consider what I'm saying, a lot of times it helps me out because sometimes the stuff that I want to say, I don't need to because the effect that I'm trying to get at that moment isn't a good one. It's just a response. I don't want that kind of response. So when I talk to my wife, it's an extra second of, okay, she hurt my feelings. How am I responding to that? Am I just trying to hurt her back? No, I can't do that. That doesn't help. I don't want her to feel like I feel right now. Why would I do that to her? It may feel good for a second, but it doesn't solve anything. It's like the punch that I don't throw when the fight may occur with some guy trying to attack me. I may throw a punch, but it doesn't solve anything. But stepping away from the situation and letting it cool down, it's the better way to handle it. So I think about who I'm talking to when I'm talking with my wife. I don't want her to hurt at all. And I know I say stuff, same like she does. I'll say stuff that hurts her feelings too. And then we've done pretty good at talking about why things hurt. So we don't avoid that. And you never can, I don't think. But slowly but surely, we're checking off the stuff that we know not to talk about. And we're checking off the spots on ways on how to talk about things. Don't talk about that with him. He It kind of throws him off a little bit. Don't say that to her because that throws her off a little bit. Don't express how you feel that way because he doesn't take it the right way. Talk to him this way because he'll really respect it. I'm not about those, you know, those love languages, even though I did a podcast with my wife about it. But I do my best to talk to my wife in a way that she knows no matter what I'm saying, she's feeling loved, listened to, and respected. And if I fail at any one of those, I step back and I do it again. So it's a conscious effort, a continuous conscious effort to speak to my wife the right way. And the right way is the right way for her. It doesn't have to be for any other person. It's the best way to talk to my wife so that she hears my voice and understands where I'm coming from. So that's it. It's it's work. It's a conscious effort to hurt feelings in a not in in a not bad way, but in a way that maybe we both learn from it. She gains something from me, and maybe I gain something from her. But it's continuous. It's an evergreen effort to just talk to her in a right way because there's nobody no i don't want to hurt this woman at all so that's just it dude i love that idea of evergreen effort i love that i love that i love that because that's exactly like going to the gym right like it's just it's an evergreen effort and as soon as you stop you're screwed um Really quickly, before I get into the last three questions I want to ask you, um, there's two things that I really want to point out because the emphasis of this podcast and the journal that I'm creating is to make sure that people are walking away with actionable items, like literally going from inspiration to implementation with one small, specific and simple step. That's it. And there's two that you mentioned there that I think are extremely valuable. And I'm saying that because I practice them on a regular basis. Um, number one, when you talked about how you communicate with your children and uh, let them know, like, yeah, I, I failed math in grade 10 too. And I was embarrassed and all this stuff. One thing that I found really helps me with uh, Jenny Lee, for example, Jenny Lee um, has like everybody, myself included, 
has certain situations and certain stories playing that cause a lot of panic and a lot of anxiety that from an outsider's perspective, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why are you anxious about this? Why are you panicking about this? Like, you, you have nothing to panic about. And so that happened to me all the time before. There were days when I would wake up in the morning to go train my clients and I'd just say to her, genuinely, I can't do this. I can't do this today. I don't know what it is, but I cannot get myself off the couch, out of bed, whatever it was. And she never shit on me for it. She never did. So now when those situations come up with her being a man, the, the first instinct is to solve it, is to solve the problems. And obviously, like, don't do that. That's the worst thing you can possibly do. So what, I'm do, what I do with Jenny Lee is I say, you know what? Because she thinks she's crazy for thinking some of the things that she thinks. And I'm like, you're not crazy at all. Remember how I used to this and just a similar situation to her. I'm like, I react the same way you're acting right now, just for a different situation. So what you're doing right now is not crazy. What you're feeling right now is not crazy. It's not wrong and it's not bad. It just, it is what it is. And you have these triggers. So expressing for men to become more vulnerable, your, your partner you're in this case, a woman for me will give you a million and one opportunity to do so simply by relating to her emotions. That's it. If you can relate to your, your woman's emotions, that will automatically strengthen your skill and your strength and vulnerability. And then the other thing that you talked about that Jenny Lee and I have, I'm going to come very close to saying the word mastered here is the language we use when we're having a conversation that could be an argument. If you ask Jenny Lee when the last time we argued was, neither of us is going to be able to answer. We're just not. Because she uses language and I use language like you use with your wife in terms of, you know what, when you said this, it triggered something in me. Not when you said this, it made me feel like shit. Not you made me feel like shit. No, just so you know, Jenny Lee, just so you know, Carl, when you said that, this is what came up for me. So you're owning your feelings. You're taking responsibility for it. So that may not be a super small step, but at least like the small step that I would say is something you, you said, taking that step back. When your partner says something that triggers you, to have the wherewithal, the awareness and the courage to step back and be like, okay, this is what's going on for me. Now I need to put this forth in such a way and communicate this in a way that it's not going to hurt the other, other individual because, and that's something Jenny Lee and I do all the time as well as I'll say, listen, what I'm about to say is potentially going to have some flavor to it, some spiciness to it. So I'm just going to take a second and clean this up before I spit it out. Because there's there's a, a way that I want to say it, and mm-hmm. then there's a way that it needs to be said. Right. So, so and 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 you just went over those perfectly. So thank you for that. Okay. Here are the questions I got for you, and I I want to put a lens in some perspective on this first. Um, I want us to be thinking about the difficulties of being a man, which inside of your podcast you talk about in great detail. So I, I want it. And by no stretch of the imagination, am I saying that it's it's harder to be a man than it is a woman? Like it's hard to be right. a human being, period. So, but I want to get the men's perspective on this because it's not something I talk about very often on the show, specifically with regards to men. And that's what I want to tackle right now. So question number one, if there is one thing that you could change about the world as a whole, as it relates to men being men, what would it be like the world as a whole? What would it be? I would really like the world to not define what it means to be a man. <sighs> I would like the world to just let me be me. There shouldn't be a definition in the past in this country that I'm in where men were men. We got up, we went to work, we took care of our kids. Mom was at home in the flowing dress, took care of the kids and came home and handed him a beer when he walked through and all (laughs) these gender roles that we've created. I just want to be me. And if you need you, can you stop telling me what that means? 
I'll just be me. I'll determine that. If the world can stop slapping us with the shackles of titles and just let us be men, and we define what it means for me to be a man, and you define what it means for you to be a man, will be a whole lot better. And the ironic part about it is that the vast majority of us will be the same. We sit and keep trying to title what it means to be a man, but when we stop saying this is what it is and then we're just being men, we're all being the same anyway. We're just being men, but we didn't put this unnecessary title on top of it. There's certain things like biological and emotionally things that men do on our own. I don't need you to tell me what that means. I don't need you to guide me to manhood. I'll get there. Just being me and I'm a man, I'll be the man I'm supposed to be. Okay. I love that. And I'm wondering if your answer to question number two is going to be slightly different. I think it will be. So question number two, along the same line. So I asked you about the world as a whole there. And I love that, like not defining men now inside of your world specifically, like not the world as a whole, but your world. If there was one thing that you would change with regards to you being the man you want to be, what would it be that you want to see yourself change in your world? I am still working on making myself higher on the hierarchy of my life. I, since you know about me, you know I'm the, I'm the dad, stay at home, four kids. And when you have kids and this is what you do, you can get wrapped up in everybody else. You can become dad when I shouldn't being a dad shouldn't be who I am. It should kind of be a part of me and I need to work on me. There's things that I want to do, dreams that I need to, you know, things that I want to get done, but I'm easily sidetracked when it comes to taking care of the kids and doing stuff for them. And I need to work on getting back to what I want to do. I need to work on me. And it's it's ironic because I spent a lot of my time on this podcast telling men about that. I'm still working on it myself. And it's in in most people to most people, it wouldn't even be like a negative trait. You're mm-hmm. just overly, you just spend you, you your life is about your kids. And that's a good thing, but then I'm here too. Right. I need to take care of me. So I need to work on that. The podcast is something I want to do. Coaching is something I want to do. Writing is something I want to do. I need to involve in those things. So I have to I have to put some time. I have to set some time for those things. So if it's for me, it is putting myself first. And it doesn't mean neglecting my, my relationships, my children, my wife. But I need to start giving myself, start taking care of myself too. Because in the end, I'll be better for them. So me, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot here for the last question then. Because Mm -hmm. the whole theme behind Inspired by Impact is to take people from inspiration to implementation so that you can ignite the impact you wish to see in your world. So now I'm going to put you on the spot with regards to what you said in terms of like taking time for you, putting you first sometimes. What is one small, specific, and simple step that you can take immediately that will allow you to ignite the impact you wish to see in your world with you, just you. What can I do right now? What can I do right now? Because my wife works, but she works from home. I deal with the kids. So I'm at my job essentially because I'm at home with my kids. Mm -hmm. What I can do is I can let go of some of the stuff that I do that I handle here because since I'm stay-at-home dad, I try to do everything. Mm-hmm. One thing I can do, and sh- my wife is fine with that. She's a parent too. I can say, you know what? This is what I usually do, but I kind of need to take care of some stuff for me. Can you handle this? And she's going to be like, uh, yeah. Okay. It's delegating is a big thing for me too. In every job I've ever had, because I've been promoted in most jobs that I've had, 
And when I get to a point where I'm supposed to be doing things, it's been more been difficult to say, you know what, I'm supposed to delegate to this, but I can do it and I could do it right. Let me just do it myself. And that comes into this house too. I make them breakfast. I make them lunch, whatever. The cooking and dinner is questionable, but I do all this stuff. But mom is here. She can do it too. And I'm going to go over there and I'm going to write for an hour. Or I'm going to go over here and I'm going to work on the website. Or I'm going to go listen to some music and I'm going to come up with some systems on how I work with the coaching thing. I have, I have to delegate, drop some stuff, and then pick myself up and put me on my shoulders. What am I doing for me? So that's my constant battle with putting myself first because I want to take care of everybody else. But like I, like I say to everybody, I have to put the mask on myself to take care of me so I can take care of them. And that means I got to take care of my psyche. I got to take care of my happiness. I got to take care of Harvey. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man, I love this. I love it so much. And this is what, oh, man. So you just, you just define something that I've had difficulty defining myself. Um, and the words I'm putting to it are ask for help. Like, how do you put you first? It's like, and like for me, for example, like I have my cigar time. So say, for example, it was two nights ago. Um, Jane Lee knows that like when it's cigar time, it's me time. Like I'll take my phone and I'll have music playing sometimes, but it's deaf. Like I'm not using it for anything else. There's no social, no nothing. But the other day I took a cigar, a glass of scotch, went over by the lake by our house and just had a cigar and scotch. And like, that is my me time. That's where I just sit. I'm with myself. I'm enjoying my own company. And it's fabulous. But one of the things that I haven't done with Jenny Lee, and this ties in perfectly with everything else we've been saying in terms of being vulnerable I do most of the cooking in the house. Like I love to cook and I'm a great fucking cook. Like I love cooking. Jenny Lee's okay. an amazing cook as well, but I, I do most of the cooking, especially dinners. The other night she made a dinner and it was every time she makes dinner, it's phenomenal. Like it is just, it's like restaurant quality phenomenal. It, it's amazing. And this time was no exception. And there's been so many times where I just didn't feel like making dinner, but I don't want to ask her to do it because I have this story playing in my head that it's what I'm supposed to do. And it's a good way of taking care of her, but a good way of taking care of myself is, you know what, Chags? Like I call her Chaggy. I say, you know what, Chags? Like, I kind of feel like relaxing tonight. How would you feel about making dinner? In which case she would most likely be, yeah, of course. What should we have? So one of the best ways that you can make things better for you and take care of yourself is to ask for help. And it could be something as small as delegating chores around the house or just asking your significant other to make dinner. It's that fucking simple. That was beautiful. Harvey K. Where can people find you, connect with you and learn about how to be vulnerable as a man, but just how to, one of the things that I think um, is very underestimated about what you're doing that you say at the beginning of your podcast is that you've always wanted to share your voice with the world. And to me, I can speak for myself. That is the hardest thing that I do every single day is trying to share my true voice with the world. But I know there's a lot of people out there who also feel that way. They've got, they feel like they have something that they want to say, but that nobody will want to hear it. And to overcome that obstacle is one of the most challenging things we will ever do as a human being. So people can learn about that from you if they know where to get a hold of you. So where can people find you, Harvey? So first of all, thank you. This was such a great conversation. I love talking <laughs> to men. I love yeah. it. This is really what I live for. This is what yeah. I enjoy. I agree. So, so to really get me one, every Saturday, I release an episode of the podcast, Men of the Prize. You can find it everywhere. Everywhere podcasts available, you'll find me. Um, I'm working on the social media aspect, the website, all these things, but Instagram, men of zealous nature, because the more you listen to me, the more you will discover my favorite word is zeal. Yep. I love zeal. I love it when we find something that you love. So men of zealous nature, Instagram. Um, I think it's the same thing on Twitter. On Facebook, my name is Harvey Laguerre. You could just type that in. You can find me. Or men are the prize. I have a small fa Facebook page for the podcast. I will soon have a website where I'm going to really start putting all the episodes and I have a YouTube page also men of zealous nature. So cool. I'm working, I'm working on 
putting my voice out into the world. I'm working on it. This season has been really, really transformational for me. Season two, because these conversations I've been having have been different. I had great conversations season one, but I feel like there's a different, I'm getting a different idea, a different reason, raison d'etre for talking to these men. <laughs> and the, I, I, you know, I'm Haitian. I got a little bit of French and that was it. Though. So, <laughs> So, Love it. Um, so just if you really want to get me, listen to the pod because I think I give a little bit of myself when I talk every time. That's an because understatement. If yeah. If I expect these men to cut on here and talk with me, the least I can do is give them some of me. Mm-hmm. I got to. So I do that so that when I'm talking to this guy, he has no problem telling me what's going on with him. Because if he's, if I'm going to talk about the fact that I have addictions or I had struggles. The least the host can do is tell him some stuff that he went. So you want to know me, listen to the podcast, find me on Twitter, find me on Instagram, Facebook. Men of Zealous Nature is also my email address. Okay. If you men of zealous nature, gmail.com, you have a question, a problem you want to talk. You want to just get something out. I like writing. I've had some of my, some of my hardest times have been relieved by writing out what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. If you ever just wanted to spit out something that's going on, email it to me. I'll respond. I'll listen to you. But my podcast is where I've really poured my heart out and I try to get it in return. And that's where you're going to, that's the best place to find me. Cool. Cool. Thank you very much for that. Now, for anybody listening and watching, here's what I am going to challenge you to do. You can do it with this podcast. You can do it with one of Harvey's episodes over at Men Are the Prize podcast. But I want you, as soon as you hear something that is a light bulb moment, that is your moment of inspiration and you need to go to implementation. So really, really quickly, what you're going to do, you're going to write down verbatim what Harvey says. That's part one. Then part two is what is your situation? That's the second question. So all you're going to do, one simple sentence, what's the specific problem or challenge that you're facing? It could be with vulnerability. It could be with your partner. It could be with your kids. It could be with your job, whatever it is, but write that down in one sentence. Question number th- or question number two, that was question number one, actually. Question number two is what is your transformation? So all you're going to write down is write four things that you don't want to experience. And then you're going to take the opposite of that and write down four things you do want to experience. So you know what your transformation is. You know what's waiting for you at the end of that bridge. And question number three is, what is the inspiration? So you're going to take Harvey's words and kind of make them your own. Like, how are you interpreting his message in your own words, in your own wisdom, as it relates to your specific situation? And finally, the last question, most importantly, what is your implementation? In other words, a small, specific, and simple step that you will schedule and share and take immediately so that you can ignite the impact you wish to see in your world. Harvey, this has been... Uh, like, I, I knew it was going to be amazing. I knew it was going to be amazing. And I never I, I never know how amazing it's going to be. Um, like, I know right now what the one small, specific, and simple step I am going to take is, and it's asking Jenny Lee to make dinner this week. That's it. So that will be considered me time. I'm going to sit there. I'll make cocktails because I always do the cocktails too, but I'm going to ask Jenny Lee to make dinner for me this week or for us, I should say. Um, And that's what I'm going to do to start taking better care of me. Because like you said, men, we got to start taking better care of ourselves as well. Harvey, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for your energy, for your love that you share with everybody here. And I'm really looking forward to seeing and hearing how people are using the wisdom when they listen to your podcast. Thank you so much. Whatever I say, take it for what it is. And I hope it means something. I hope it resonates, but it was a pleasure speaking with you. I hope we get to do this again. Yeah. And I'm going to be listening and I'm taking your words and I'm going to run with it too. And I'd like, and if you're okay with this, I want to talk to you in a year. (laughs) And I want to come back and I want to be able to say that I've done this, this, and this. So if you can fit me into the schedule so that we can talk and I can say the stuff that I wanted to do, I did it. I need to put something on me in a year. If you have a spot for me, we're going to talk and I want to hear what's going on with you. But I think just two men just talking 
sharing stories about our successes, temporary failures, and our evergreen effort. I want to do it. <laughs> I love it. And you asked the worst and best person for that because August 2nd, 2023, we will be having a follow-up episode to see what has been going down. Again, Harvey, bad. thank you very much, my man. You are the man. All right, my friend, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to another episode of Inspired by Impact. But you know me, I am about curing your world and the entire world of mental and emotional masturbation once and for all. And how are we going to do that? We are going to do that by connecting. Once again, you are going to reach out to me on IG at Ignite the Impact. Just share a thumbs up, share a fist pump, not a high fives because if you know me, I don't do high fives because they're super uncoordinated and we just look like morons doing them. Anyways, for real though, don't just sit here, get inspired and do nothing. Whatever hits you the most here, whether it was something I said or something somebody else said, run it through the morning muscle up, come up with your one small, specific and simple step that you can take immediately so that you can ignite the impact you wish to see in your world. Until next time, my friend, we got this.